we may ask of those first three boys, how did one boy turn out to be ungodly while the other two were godly? Well, God's given us his answers from scripture. We already know the biblical answer that Cain chose evil. He didn't listen to the Lord. He had, obviously, he had the same parents, he had the same teaching, but he turned away, whereas Abel and Seth did not. Welcome to Mothering from the Heart, a program that seeks to reach out and encourage women in the everyday moments of life. Your teacher is pastor's wife, mother, and grandmother, Audrey Brogy. Audrey has been contrasting boys to girls and examining how God has purposely designed each of the genders with unique qualities. Today, she continues her look at Cain and Abel, as well as their third brother, Seth. And she reveals why Cain turned out the way he did in slaying his brother, following God's rejection of Cain's sacrifice. Verse 16, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And I've underlined that, I think, in all my Bibles. And I underlined it in my notes. Then Cain went out, that phrase, went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's such a scary place to be out from the presence of the Lord. Now we know that we can never run from God in the sense that we can't hide from him. I mean, just like Jonah, when he's trying to run away from God, God God knows where he is, but he's trying to run away, but we cannot run away from God. But Cain goes away, and Psalm, oh, by the way, in 2, Psalm 139 teaches, where can I flee from your spirit? If I do this, if I do this, if I do this, you're there, darkness and light are alike to you. But what God is telling us is that Cain wanted nothing to do with God. He went away. He he was done with God. Verse 17 says, Cain had relations with his wife and she conceived and she gave birth to Enoch and he built a city and called the, uh, the name of the city Enoch after the name of his son. Now to Enoch was born Arad and Arad became the father of Mahujael and Mahujael became the father of Methushel and Methushel became the father of Lamech or Lamech. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of the one was Ada and the name of the other, Zillah. So you see what's happening here. He goes out from the presence of the Lord. And by the way, call the Bible line to, to get the question answered. Where did Cain get his wife? There's a great answer for that, but I don't have the time to deal with that today. <laughs> but the Bible man that I affectionately call my husband, he can give you more than you want to know about it. <laughs> but here's the thing. What you're seeing here are sins that are even greater even greater because remember Genesis tells us one man for one woman the two one two two one two the two shall become one flesh but now you see the sin of polygamy entering because he because he takes two wives then verse 20 Ada gave birth to Jabal and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock his brother's name was Jubal he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe as for Zillah, she also gave birth to Tubal-Cain, the forger of all the implements of bronze and iron, and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Namah. Then Lamech says, said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, uh, this is my acting, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. I mean, you see, the, you see the spiral of sin? Sin begets more sin. 
And you see the bragging, you see exactly what, what even the video that we watched today pointed out, that unharness the, the, the masculinity of men, if it's left to its own devices, to its own sinfulness, it goes in terrible directions, but God wants to use it for good. Sin's greater. Murder, not just murder, but bragging about it. The defender turned to a savage doing evil, seeking evil and being proud of doing evil. I mean, we see that played out in our culture today. So many people doing evil and then bragging about it and being glad they did it, whether it's school shootings or bombs being made and exploding, being proud of it. And then God tells us the rest of the story in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 12. Verse 11 says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Evil man, evil. His deeds were evil, evil in his heart. And that's why he did it. Because he, get, he was a slave to his sin, he let sin master him, and he didn't like the fact that his brother's deeds were righteous. God's describing Cain as a type of evil. And in Jude 11, where God is describing false teachers, he writes about Cain. In that uh, book as well, he says this, and he's dealing with apostates in the context. He says in verse 11, woe to them, talking about the apostates, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and the way of Cain is evil. In the New Testament, all apostates are considered to be unbelievers, and they're described in the book of Jude and in 2 Peter chapter 2, and they all reject Jesus Christ as Savior. The way of Cain means rejecting Jesus Christ as the substitute for our sin. So Eve's first boy was godless. He was a murderer. He was a liar. He was a vagabond. But even though God knew what Cain would grow up to be, he still did not give up. No question, the murder of Abel and the godlessness of Cain were very great grief to God first and to Adam and to Eve. Here, a mother and a father so blessed of God, yet see such unrighteousness in their first boy. They must have thought about how their own sin brought death into the world. Oh, this is the result of the curse. This is the result of our disobedience. Eating the forbidden fruit, now they were reaping bitter fruit. They lost, now think about this, they lost both their boys in one day. I mean, think about it. Remember the fear of Rebecca when we studied her? And remember her fear that, of, of Jacob and Esau? Remember how she sent her son Jacob away to her brother, Jacob's uncle Laban? Because Esau, her, Jacob's brother, is so furious with him and he wants to kill him. And this is what Rebecca says. Stay with him a few days, telling Jacob, stay with Uncle Laban a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Because, you know, Rebecca's the mom and she loves the bad boy and the good boy. And, of course, Rebecca, just like Eve, had brought so much pain upon herself. So can you imagine for a moment the grief of Adam and Eve? The pain, the grief, the anguish, the sorrow, one wicked child. But yet they love him. But at the same time, they know he's getting what he deserves. 
And that brings me to Abel's heritage. And then there's Abel, the innocent child who's a blessing. Love him. They love him too. And they see him suffering in a way he doesn't deserve. First boy is, gonna, is suffering in a way he deserves. Second boy in a way he doesn't deserve. But even in this heartache, there must also have been some great comfort because even though they lost Abel physically in, the, in, the, in this life, they would see him again because he knew the Lord. Abel was a godly son. And we know this, first of all, because of verse 4. It says, Abel on his part also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel for his, and for his offering. The Lord regarded his offering. And you might be wondering, well, why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's? And the reason is because Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice. Adam and Eve had already witnessed the shedding of blood. They knew it was the direct result of their sin when God's, God slew an innocent animal to clothe them. And so after Adam and Eve sinned and realized they were naked, they tried, remember, they tried to make covering for themselves from fig leaves, but God was very clear in showing them that they could not cover their sin. In verse 21 of chapter Genesis 3 says, And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He's the one who covered them. He was already teaching them that sin brought death and that a substitute was necessary. They probably, you know, they had to have told this story to Cain and Abel as well as their understanding of God's promise of a redeemer from Genesis 3, verse 15. The writer to the Hebrews says this, By faith, and this is in chapter 11, verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So not only was Abel's sacrifice better, he offered it in faith. Abel responded to the word of God and approached God in faith and with faith, in faith with blood. Contrast to Cain who rejected God's method and devised his own method of satisfying God. Abel was acknowledging his sin and his need for a substitute. Cain was bringing the works of his hands. Abel's offering... <laughs> Proved he was righteous. Proved he was an Old Testament believer who was looking forward to the death of Christ. And though he is dead, he still speaks. That's what God says. And how does he still speak? Because Abel was godly. He had a godly heritage. And of course, he didn't have a physical heritage in terms of physical sons and daughters. He was killed in the prime of his life. He never had any physical children. But we know of his heritage. All of us living today know of his heritage because of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them will, they will kill and some they will persecute from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Here in this passage, Jesus is calling Abel a prophet of God and his innocent blood was shed. So this death of Abel, so sad that, that his brother killed him, so sad so tragic. These parents having to bear it their entire lives. And of course, today we read about so many dads, young men who are cut down in the prime of life. This is why it's so important to live for Christ. This is why it's so important to share the gospel with your children from the time they're in your womb. 
Abel, young man, single, prime of life, no physical legacy of children, but he loved God, and that's what we know about him, and we will meet him in heaven. And I remember reading about a young Marine years ago who was killed in Afghanistan, and after he died, I just, I don't know why this stuck with me, but I remember reading about him in the interview with his father, and his father said he carried his Bible everywhere. He carried his Bible everywhere. And that's what thousands of people read about him after he died. And though he died, cut down in the prime of life, he still spoke because that's what he was remembered for. And so us, if we love God and we live for him, when we die, we will still speak to those we've left behind. God's word is so true. The wages of sin is death, physical and spiritual. And of course, after all this pain and heartache, both boys gone. God is still committed to his plan, even though Adam and Eve are obviously so shaken and weakened by this sad turn of events in their lives, God begins to rebuild their family. And that brings us to Seth and Seth's heritage. Verse 25, Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him. So once again, she acknowledges God giving a son to her. She's honest about her other two. She doesn't make excuses for Cain. God is kind, y'all. God is tender with his people. And he gives another child, another boy. And this boy proves to be a greater blessing to them than they can even imagine. Verse 26, to Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So Cain, the godless heritage, the godless line brought heartache. Seth, the godly line, brings hope. Because this is where we see God really giving this first mother hope. Then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't that what you want your boys to do? Call upon the name of the Lord? Seth, the third son of Adam, his godly heritage, it just is such a contrast to what happened with Cain. But it's Seth's line that God gives in Scripture as the godly line. You turn the page to Genesis 5 in verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Seth means appointed. And it is through his seed that men will continue and mankind will continue to the end of time. And from him, his line, the Messiah would come. You turn the page to the New Testament, to the ancestry of Jesus Christ. God traces the line backward from Joseph all the way to Enosh, Seth's son, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. That's what the scripture says. So that brings me to the last point on your outline. What can we learn Well, we know Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters, but these are the three boys that God gives in great detail. And these are some of the things that I believe he wants us to learn, and there are some questions we, I think we as women need to ask. 
We may ask of those first three boys, how did one boy turn out to be ungodly while the other two were godly? Well, God's given us his answers from Scripture. We already know the biblical answer that Cain chose evil. He didn't listen to the Lord. He had, obviously, he had the same parents. He had the same teaching, but he turned away, whereas Abel and Seth did not. But there's so many things I, I, I don't know. And so much I just don't understand. But here's some things we, we can think about. Eve was the first mom. She had no role models. And, I'm, and when I say that, I mean in terms of other women. No older woman to learn from because we know what the Scripture says in Titus chapter 2. God's handed the ministry of young women to the older women in the church. The older godly women, not just to older women, period but older women, godly women, who fit that requirement that, that he outlines in Titus and in 1 Timothy chapter 5. She didn't have a godly older woman in her life. And she did, but she had what God said. And here's the thing, as I've told y'all many times, that even if we try to think through, well, I don't really have any, I've never really had any good godly role models in my life. I grew up with a bad mom. I grew up with bad role models. So the, and, and we kind of use that as an excuse. But it's not an excuse because we have his word. We have what God says. And Eve had his word. She didn't have the whole counsel of God's word like we do. But she knew what he said because he spoke directly to them. She should have obeyed what she did know. Of course, it was Adam and Eve's responsibility to raise their boys to look to God, to live in dependence upon God, and to teach their boys. And we have no reason to believe they didn't do this. They were to be faithful in raising them according to what they knew. And we know that they did this because it showed up in Abel's life, because Abel listened to the teaching. But of these three, two sons received their teaching. One son did not. Adam and Eve could teach them, but they couldn't save them. They couldn't fix them. They couldn't control their decisions. And of course, I already told you, Eve had no role models, any older woman to learn from in terms of just other women. But think about some, something we can learn. We have scores of women who've walked before us. Sometimes it's hard to find them, but they're there. We have examples of godly women we can emulate and learn from, especially if you go back and read some of the great biographies of women like Amy Carmichael and Elizabeth Elliot. And we also have examples of ungodly and foolish women. And we can learn from their mistakes, just like 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us we should learn from the mistakes of others. And you know what? It seems to me like that's, we have so many more ungodly women to learn from and foolish women to learn from than we do godly. I don't know. It just seems like it's overtaking us, even in the church. Remember last time I said it's like the funnel's narrowing? And it's like even women who claim to walk with God and know him, they disobey the clear teaching of Scripture, and they step outside of what God's Word has said for the roles of women in the church. And they think they're not deceived. They are deceived. That's what the Scripture says. Another thing, we have the whole counsel of God, but we still have to obey the things we know because we don't know everything, but we should be in this process of learning. 
And we should obey the things we do know. And then if we obey the things we do know, then we see the next thing. God discloses more of himself to us. That's what John teaches us. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Reveal myself to him. Disclose myself to him. And we do have faithful pastors and men of the word who teach us and lead us. I mean, thank God we do. Thank God that in this day of so many pastors bowing down to the culture, we still have men of God who won't. We need to pray for them. We need to find them. We need to listen to them. And we need to respect them. And we need to undergird them with our prayers and our respect and cheer them on. Because you know what? When we cheer good godly men on, you know what they become? They just become dragon slayers. It just gives them all the courage they need to know that women are behind them. Do you just think about how much your husband appreciates when he just knows you're on his team? When you're like saying, you're just the best and I'm so thankful for you. And I love the way you lead our family. And I love this about you. And I love this about you. Just leave off the things you don't like, okay? Just leave those off the list because you know what? Sometimes I've just learned, as long as I've lived now, it's like men men are not as complicated as we make them out to be. If we would just respect them like the scripture tells us to and encourage them like Deborah did with Barak in in, in what we see in the Old Testament, then they'll be the leaders that God wants them to be instead of competing with them and trying to take over for them and trying to act like we know so much because God doesn't change his plans just because our culture's turned it over and just because we have so many women out there who are disobeying God and we just run after them y'all just like Adam and Eve we must remember that it's our responsibility to raise all of our children to look to God and in order to do this we have to live in dependence upon God all the while God calls us to be faithful in building them according to what we know but just like Adam and Eve we cannot save them we cannot fix them we cannot control their decisions but I want to tell you this y'all if you will get the truth of God's Word into your boy's heart And if you will live out biblical womanhood in front of him, and you will respect him as a boy who will grow up to be a man, and if you will respect the men that God has given you in your life, and if you live and model that before him, and you get God's word into him, he can never run away from it. He might think he's running away from it, just like Jonah thought he was running away from God. And you may not even see the day when he comes to his senses. But he cannot get away from God's word in his heart. God is faithful. And his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And they cannot erase it from their memory. Ask God to make you want to know the word of God with all your heart and to want to obey the word of God with all your heart. And learn biblical manhood and womanhood. I mean, y'all, that's why nobody teaches Genesis 1 to 3 anymore unless they're twisted. They don't teach it because it's clear as day. It's so clear about what God says about men and women. And we have to be the example, those of us who have 
gotten older, we have to be the example of the older women. This is, this is a prime of life for those of us who have reached a certain age. We have the whole counsel of God's word. We need to learn it. We need to live it. And then we need to turn around and teach it. And we have the, the Holy Spirit of God who helps us and empowers to, us to do exactly what he's commissioned us to do. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Saying one just like myself. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. We have that. We have the promises of God. Second Peter 1 who wrote, when Peter wrote to the Christians in Asia Minor. And he said this. And they were under the horror of Nero's reign. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through what? The true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. But see, y'all, we become a generation of women who don't know his precious and magnificent promises. We don't really become partakers of the divine nature because we don't really want to escape the corruption that's in the world by lust. I do. Do you? I mean, think about Abel. Keep thinking about him. Righteous, innocent Abel, murdered at the hands of his brother simply because he pleased God. And think about how horrible his death was and how horrible countless other deaths have been because they're God's beloved. Their lives were sacrificed and their blood cries out just as God said, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. But y'all, just remember too, as horrible as all these murders of the prophets and those who've loved God have been, and that, and by the way, these things are only increasing, there's a greater death, a greater murder, and a greater sacrifice, and you know who that is. The writer to the Hebrews recorded that the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel. Verse 24 says, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Abel was innocent in the sense that he didn't do anything wrong for Cain to kill him. But he was still a sinner. He was murdered by his brother. But innocent Jesus Christ was murdered by who? By me and by you. It was our sin that took him to that cross. Y'all, we got to teach our boys these truths. we got to teach our boys these truths. And we've got to teach them who Jesus is. It can't be just something we gloss over. we got to teach them why Jesus came, why he died, and why he rose. And we need to pray like crazy and do our jobs well as we raise our boys. Join us again next week for the continuation of our multi-part series entitled Building Boys, a Bible study pastor's wife, Audrey Brogy, led before the women of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. If you'd like to hear this message in its entirety, you may do so using the Search the Scriptures app 
or by visiting searchthescriptures.org. Simply look under the Women's tab and then look up Building Boys Part 1 under Woman's Life Teaching. And if you can help support Search the Scriptures with a one-time or a regular gift, please call 877-787-7478 or click the Give tab at searchthescriptures.org. Thank you. Join us again next week as we begin Part 2 of Building Boys. In the meantime, remember to always think biblically and mother from the heart.